Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. How many of you have ever participated in a baby dedication with a church? Maybe you were the baby or the child or the parent. Just kind of raise your hand up. Okay, a lot of you have maybe seen that play out where uh, it's, it's more for the parent because it's a, a parent's opportunity to stand before a church and to uh, usually it's a, it's a newborn or a, an infant. Um, sometimes it's older because it was the, the child is older because it was their first opportunity to do so. But the parent is to stand before a church and to say, uh, this is my child, and I'm asking for the prayers and support of my faith family to help point my child to Jesus. And so I'm offering up myself as a parent, my child, to the Lord to do what he may want to or what his will would be. And it's an incredible moment. We do that. We need y'all to start having more babies so we can do that more. But that's something as a church that we do, and we call it parent-child dedication because it's, it's kind of a combo. It's for the parent and for the child. Um, and, and I can remember when Kim and I, with, with Isaac, right here's birthday is tomorrow, turning 12 years old. I can remember when we stood before our faith family at the time. And uh, if you know me, it's, it kind of became a competition a little bit for me. You think, how, how can a, like a parent-child dedication become a competition? But it did, sadly. And then, you know, I think this was, I mean, Kim and I had been married a couple of years. And it was probably like another one of those, like, why did I marry him? But so at, at, for our faith family, our church, the pastor would, would pick one of the children, a part of the uh, morning service and would would hold them as kind of a representation for the rest of the the babies and kids up there and so I'm like that's got to be my kid like my kid is going to be the one that is held and so I had to make sure that I got in the line in the right place because if I was towards the front no way he's walking all the way over there to pick me up or to pick Isaac up I kind of wanted him to pick me up but and, and I didn't want to be at the end, and, and so it's like, I got to make sure I flanagle my way into the proper spot and, and catch an eye, like, and maybe even kind of push Isaac towards him to kind of go ahead and start the process, and it's kind of like the Lion King moment, you know, you wanted your son to be hungry, yeah, or whatever the, I don't know what happens at that point, but, you know, you just kind of want that, I wanted Isaac to be the one, and so I won, and, uh, and Isaac was selected, and so then we had Izzy, precious 10, 10, 10, and she, uh, we, same thing, We're still part of that faith family, and I, we, I got pressure, more pressure, because she's got to be the one also selected, like, I, I can't have one of my kids selected, not the other, I mean, the anointing isn't going to work, and so, we got flanagled my way to the right spot, started pushing her ahead, and sure enough, she was selected, and lifted up, and, and I won again, and so, you know, you can't really win a baby dedication, but I did. And, and you say, what does this have to do with, with Christmas, John? What, what, where are you going with this? Well, in, in our series, we're talking about the lyrics of Christmas. And, and at Christmas time, there's a lot of stories about shepherds and angels, rightfully so, a manger, right? We, we get all that and we talk about that, but they're tucked away in, in Luke. There's this story that centers around this guy named Simeon who is part of the weirdest baby dedication ever. <laughs> His, this little baby dedication of Jesus in, in, in the hands of Simeon is quite strange. And I want to unpack that for us this morning. But Simeon, he does play this major role in the Christmas story. And, and a lot of times he's not even mentioned. But he plays this central role in the story because his life had one purpose. His life had a, 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 
an anointed purpose that was given to him. And he focused on one thing. He had this one idea, this one thought that really consumed him, I think, from sunrise to sunset every day. And if you have a Bible, we're going to look at that. Luke chapter 2. I would love for you to go and go ahead and turn there or swipe there or whatever you need to do to get to Luke chapter 2 because that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to pick up the Christmas story just eight days after the birth of Jesus. Now, you say, well, that's not really the Christmas story. It is, okay? It, it, don't get technical on me. It is eight days after, but it's a short eight days. And this encounter that Jesus is going to have with Simeon is part of the Christmas story, in my opinion. Again, Simeon, his whole life revolved around this message and this pro- uh, prophecy that one day the Messiah would come to earth, that, that the Christ would come. And, and Simeon had a, a strong belief that one day he would hold the one, he would touch the one, he would know the one that was to bring salvation to the earth. This was central to his purpose. And I'm confident that Simeon knew the scriptures and he knew the prophecies uh, and, and knew the prophetic words of God and the promises that he gave that one day he was coming to earth. I bet Simeon knew Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This was probably a passage he was very familiar with. He knew Isaiah the prophet. And Luke mentioned this in E-Kids, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. Isaiah 9, 6, verse 6 is, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. This, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, the Jews would read this prophecy, and and others like it, and they believed, okay, God is going to send a Messiah, and they held on to that belief. At some point, God's coming. He's sending the Christ, the anointed one. A Savior is coming. Now, I do believe there were some that said, you know what, this is taking too long. I I don't know. Maybe this wasn't, maybe this prophecy meant something else. Maybe uh, God was joking. Maybe this is just a cruel trick on us. Maybe we screwed up. And I believe that some bailed and said, I don't know if a Savior's coming. Okay, not Simeon. He never gave up hope and he never gave up a belief that the Christ was to come. Now, I got to admit, with my personality, I I, I might be in the camp that said, you know what, this is taking too long. I'm just going to give up. I don't think a Savior's coming. I, I, there are some things that I'll wait hours for, right? If there's a good deal and, and I got to wait for Amazon Prime Day or whatever, or if there's some sort of good deal, like, okay, it's going to save me money. I'll give up some time and I'll wait for the, the proper moment to step into a situation or, or I can, uh, I, uh, I got minutes if it's a video to download or a text I'm waiting on. I'm, I might give up real quick then. I only got certain time. But if it's important test results or uh, I, I might wait weeks, months. If Man, you, you get start getting the months, things can get a little crazy. There's only a couple things I'd wait years for. Uh, I've waited years for my wife to get ready every morning. But uh, if you add those up, for sure, decades. But I, I had to wait to, to find the, the one that I knew God was wanting me to marry. And so there are things that I'll wait, wait on and I'll give that time. But if there are some things that's like, man, this is taking too long. And I'll bail. And I think it's probably true for you too. There's, there comes a point in your life where your patience runs thin. You, you lose your endurance. You, you lose uh, the ability to say, okay, I'm going to keep waiting on God. You start taking things into your own hands, right? You're like, well, I'm going to move on to another plan or another dream. You, you, maybe it was a job for you and you've been like, God, I really want this other job or I want to be, I want to use my calling in life. And so you just bail. Or, or maybe it, it's a, a 
a sickness or an illness. You're praying. It's something scary. And you're like, God, please. And, and there seems to be a pause or a wait. And so you're like, All right, God's not with me anymore. And you turn. Maybe it is a dream. Maybe it's like, I really want my church to grow. And you are waiting on God, but you bail too early. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to believe him? And this is what I love uh, about Simeon. Now, there's people on the other side that maybe give you the never quit, pat on the backs, and the attaboys and girls and, and the hey, keep asking pep rallies. But at some point, it can be really hard, and walking away can seem like a better idea. We'll look at Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Then it was time for their purification offering. I told you Luke chapter 2. I'm starting in verse 22. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents, okay, Mary, and we're talking about the adoptive dad, Joseph. His parents took him to Jerusalem, talking about Jesus, to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says this. If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. Quote, unquote, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The Holy Spirit spoke that to him, verse 27. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God. Here's this song saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. It's like, hey, good, hey, bad, hey, good, hey, bad. Verse 35, as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Now, there's a couple things that stick out to me in the story. There's several, but a couple just for time's sake that I want to highlight. I want to look again at verse 25 when it says he was eagerly waiting We've kind of in this series talked about the righteous about time. I want to talk about this eagerly waiting. This was Simeon. These were the words describing Simeon. Eagerly waiting. Now the word used here means to uh, wait actively and expectantly. So this eagerly waiting is an active wait and it's an expectant wait. An expectant wait with hope. And so for Simeon, he truly believed that God would fulfill his promise. And so he was actively looking for it because he believed. He expected it to be fulfilled. So he wasn't just sitting back pouting, saying it's never coming. He's eagerly waiting for it. He's looking for it. He believes that this expectation will be met. Which, by the way, do you know what a frustration is? A frustration is when an expectation isn't met. If you ever sense yourself getting frustrated in any relationship or any situation, it's because you had this expectation, whether spoken or not, where you really get in trouble when it wasn't spoken, okay? But you had the expectation, and it didn't get met. And so the result of that is frustration. He's not frustrated. He's eagerly waiting because he, he doesn't see it as this hasn't been met. It's just, it's coming. It's going to be met. It's just not met right now, but it will be met, and so there's no frustration for Simeon. 
as far as we see, he's eagerly waiting. It's actively waiting. It's, he still expects it to happen. That's great patience. <laughs> That's great hope. He's eagerly waiting on God to do what God said he would. Now, we don't know when God made this promise to Simeon. He just promised that he would hold the Messiah, that he would touch and hold the one that we read about in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. God promised that to him. But Simeon didn't know when that promise would be fulfilled. He didn't know how old he would be. He just knew that he would see Jesus before he died, the Christ, the Messiah. And so I imagine every day he'd wake up, be like, it's today the day, because he's eagerly waiting. He's wondering, is this the day the Messiah would come? When the one true God would break forth from heaven and come to earth for the whole world to see. So he lived his life waiting and being expectant. And I would imagine even in a sense wondering, okay, God, how long is this going to be? I look forward to seeing the Christ. I look forward to seeing the promised one where the promise you gave me would be fulfilled. And we don't know his age at this moment, but it's kind of inferred that he's older. And then what probably seemed like a normal day. He leaves the house, normal routine. Everyone's kind of going their normal business, not even realizing eight days prior the Messiah was born. When he woke up, besides a prompting from the Spirit to go to the temple, he maybe had no idea that the ultimate Christmas gift had already come. Mary had given birth to Jesus in that stable in Bethlehem. And now, as great Jews would do, They were observing the law and they were bringing their baby to the temple where all Jewish baby boys went to be circumcised by the priest. Now Luke gives us a very interesting detail. It seems minor in the grand scheme of things. But in verse 24, so they offered uh, the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now this tells us something interesting. It tells us that Joseph and Mary were on the poor side. Because the offering was to be a lamb for the sacrifice. But the Levitical law allowed for turtle doves or two young pigeons to be sacrificed instead if you did not have the means or the wealth. I just always, you you think about God coming to humanity. It was always through not wealthy means. It was in a barn, in a stable, through two poor parents. God ultimately being the father, but Mary and then Joseph. Humble means, humble beginnings to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But as Mary and Joseph went to the temple, they probably encountered many people that day. And, and, And I imagine that everyone went by had no clue who they were holding. Who that baby was as they walked by. People passed them on the street, saw the child in their arms and probably thought nothing of it except one man. One man sent something very different. We don't know how. It's not clear to us how Simeon knew, but when he saw Jesus, he knew. That baby is the promised one. Was he extra good looking? Did he smell extra nice? Probably not. Many people walked by that baby and didn't bat an eye, but Simeon knew. God's promise was fulfilled, and so he picked up Jesus and held God which is pretty mind-blowing because if you even think about their chances of, of their past crossing is only supernatural. With all the people in, in, in a large temple, especially the courtyard, it would almost be like me and Chad at the OU game. Let's just say it was a home game. 
say it's in Norman, and, and let's say there's no restrictions, and there's, it's a full stadium. And I call Chad, because he would never call me, but I would call him and say, hey, Chad, you at the game? Like, I know the answer to that, right? Like, of course he's at the game. By the way, Chad helped me move yesterday during the Big 12 championship. Kudos to Chad. Listen, I don't care that he grumbled the whole time and complained. He still did it, okay? That goes along. He didn't do any of that. He was there, though, which was a big deal, right? But I say, hey, Chad, you at the game? He said, yeah, I'm at the game. I said, after the game, we're going to meet up. Now, if that's all the details I gave him, the chances of us walking out of the same, not knowing where he sits or where I was sitting, he's got permanent seats, but let's just say, you know, I somehow walk in and, and get a seat. And then we all just, everyone floods out of that stadium and we just walking around and we're just going to run into each other. The chances of that are going to be very slim to none. Unless we say, hey, I'm going to be at this specific corner of the stadium at this specific place and I'm wearing red. <laughs> okay, then we're going to know where we can find each other, right? But if we just say, hey, we're going to run into each other, we'll see you after the game. It's going to be hard. Out of all these people, here comes Simeon and here comes Jesus and boom, God puts their paths together. And right then he knows this is the Savior. This is the one sent by God. And he got to pick up and hold the Messiah. Which is another God thing, by the way. How many new moms do you know that say, hey, stranger, hold my baby? <laughs> right? I don't know the cultural differences at, at that point. But I know nowadays, you, a whole lot of new moms are extra protective about their firstborn. Right? Until you have your third and fourth. And it's like, yeah, you, hey, you, hey, give me a couple hours. All right? Take the baby. Right, Sarah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, she knows, okay? And so that's part of it. Now, Landry, your mom definitely knows, okay? Golly, after that 10th kid, I mean, she probably let anyone have their babies. But new moms, I get it. They, they can be a little bit particular about who, who gets to hold the child. I, I can remember years ago, okay, this wasn't recent, but uh, back in our old place, there was a new mom, and Kim just was very gracious, was like, hey, not even like, can I take your baby, but hey, our E-Kids has a nursery, and you can take your baby back there. You're like, don't tell me what to do with my baby. <laughs> We're just being sweet, okay? You know, and the, so new moms are tricky. And then you got this old dude probably saying, hey, this is the Messiah. Of course, Mary knew. We were at Charleston's just the other night, and so it's not just moms. As a dad, this older man came by and patted my son in COVID time and said, hey there, bud, and just walked off. I'm like, yo, I'm about to throw hands on the old dude touching my son's shoulder. Like, what's up with that? But you can imagine. So he says, no, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. It's supernatural. And Mary says, yes, here's my son. That's easy to kind of put ourselves in the shoes of Simeon, like, oh, we're the hero of this story. But we would have to have been eagerly waiting. But honestly, that's not our culture right now, right? We live in a society that's not keen on waiting on God, waiting on anything, much less God. Faster is better. That's what we hear all the time. Okay, if you don't have 5G, you got no G, all right? And we're just hearing this constantly over and over again. The faster you can get information, the faster your stuff works, the faster your car goes, and it can be a problem, by the way. Okay, faster is not always better. Luke, I'm not gonna tell the story. I'll save it for you one time where I went too fast and something bad happened. But we have a culture that is telling us 
You gotta get what you want now, and if you wait too long, it's outdated, it's just a problem, it's no good for you. Get it right now. And it's easy for us to get frustrated when God says, my, my timing's better. You're gonna have to wait on me and trust me. And I, I think if you're like me at all, sometimes if we have to pray more than two days, we get upset, or we bail. But Simeon didn't, he stayed the course. I think it would be naive of us to think that this culture does not influence our eagerly waiting on God. Because I was having a conversation with my kids in the car the other day about newspapers. Surprisingly, they knew what a newspaper was. But we talked about how people didn't get the news until the newspaper got there. And then, and it just brings up a fascinating, like, you want news right now? You can get it. Some of you got the notifications on your phone right now. They're blowing up. Something's happening. And you're, you're, you're getting news instantaneously. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it will influence you in how you view God if you're not careful. And I need you to listen to me today. God's timing is always perfect, no matter how long we think it's taking. It is perfect. No matter how long you think it's taking, God doesn't see time linear. He sees the whole picture. And so you're going to have to trust his view of time as opposed to your view of time. And I know it can be hard, but let me encourage you to eagerly wait. No matter what's going on, put your trust in him, your faith in him, and believe that he'll show up and do what he says. And that's what I admire most about Simeon. He didn't lose hope. If you look at his life, the only thing he wanted was to see Jesus. He had a singular focus. I just want to see Jesus, and I will wait until I see Jesus. Lead me. Show me Jesus. I want to see the Messiah. And he never lost hope in that. And I don't see that a lot with Christians today. That doesn't seem the pattern. I see more hopeless Christians than I do hope-filled Christians. But I believe the secret to accomplish this, to eagerly wait, is it's easier to eagerly wait on something when you're in tune with the Spirit. It's easier to eagerly wait on something when you're in tune with the Spirit. Three times... In that Luke 2 passage, it mentions the Holy Spirit in relationship to Simeon three times. How could he eagerly wait? Because he was in tune with the Spirit. In verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him. He's in tune with the Spirit. In verse 26, it talks about the Holy Spirit had revealed to him. Greek, it specifically mentions the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he's in tune with the Spirit. He's righteous, devout. He's in tune with the Spirit. In verse 27, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. He's in tune with the Spirit. The Spirit of that day said, hey, go there. Now, I don't know if he knew exactly what was going to happen, but he's in tune with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord led him on to the fact that something's going to happen. I need you to go to the temple. He rolled out of his bed. God said, Simeon, get up. This is where you're going today. And I don't think Simeon knew. Simeon didn't know what was going on, but he went. He obeyed. Okay, you tell me to go there, I'm going to go there. And I believe there was a pattern in his life, and it could have been easy for him to miss that day, honestly. It probably seemed like a normal day. He could have thought, hey, if this is the day I'm going to see the Messiah, surely I would already know. The the heavens would have split open. God would have come forth. There would have been pronouncement of, of all this stuff to me personally. That's how I'm going to see the Messiah. But he said, okay, you want me to go to the temple? I'm going to go. And he walked by a bunch of people. Looked like a normal day. But he's like, okay, spirit, you said go. I'm going to go. Then he sees a complete stranger. He doesn't know Mary from Adam. Joke. But he knew this baby is the one spirit upon him in tune with the spirit this is the one he took the baby in his arms he knew it's so important to spend time in the word and in prayer to be in tune with the spirit and i believe simeon did that 
And when you do that, it is so much easier to hear the voice of the Lord. The Holy Spirit can take your normal and make it abnormal. He can take your natural and make it supernatural if you spend that time with him. Abnormal can, 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 uh, normal can become abnormal and natural can become supernatural. There's a lot of voices that want to get your attention and speak to you. But if you set aside that for the Lord, he'll lead you. You kind of have to live that old adage, feed the spirit, starve the flesh. Feed the spirit, spend time partaking of the word of God and in prayer. Feed that spirit, starve the flesh, and you'll see where he's leading you. Now let's look at his response. He was eagerly waiting for the Savior. He meets the Savior. And in that moment, he explodes in rejoicing and song. The time has come. God fulfilled his promise. And he takes that baby into his arms and he rejoices in a loud voice and he calls out to the Lord. And if you imagine that scene, wouldn't it be a little awkward? I mean, even for Simeon to be so excited to take that baby and maybe lift it up like the Lion King, who knows? But to then scream out, to praise out in a loud voice, do you think that would draw some attention? You think people think, dude, that, that guy is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But he didn't care. He didn't even have to think about it. God had moved. God had showed up. And, and the response is an overflow of praise. When you encounter the Lord, suddenly the approval of other people matter less. He didn't care what anyone else would say about this moment. He was going to worship God. And if he didn't, the rocks would cry out. When, when you care more about God, you care less about what people think. And so he screams out in praise and, 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 and song. Simeon knew that he was holding the one who had created him. And the result was this incredible praise. Because he is now seeing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's seeing salvation. And so he thanks God now, I want to look at the song. Okay, here are the lyrics of Christmas. Our last set. This is what he's saying, verse 29, as he prays God. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now, this tells us what Simeon was waiting for. He was eagerly waiting for salvation to be provided. That's worth waiting on. He was waiting for the light to be revealed, to reveal God to all people, which is a big deal, okay? Because this is saying God isn't just for Jews. God is for all people. His salvation is available to all people. And so Simeon praises God that the light has come and that Jesus is the light. And he specifically lights up the Father. He reveals God, not just to a certain race, but to all people. And I love that Jesus knew that about himself. As he was doing his ministry, Jesus actually said this specifically about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. Here, Simeon, as an eight-day-old baby Jesus, six pounds, eight ounces, whatever he was, okay? He says, you are the light that reveals the Father. Then John 8, 12 records Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness 
because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus knew who he was. He says, that's me. I reveal, the, I reveal God. I am God. And when he says I am, that's loaded. As God said in the Old Testament, I am. And here Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And if you, you follow me, I'm going to lead you to life. This light will lead you to life. And of course, listen, we live in darkness. But we don't have to walk in darkness. Follow the light. We live in darkness, y'all. We've talked about it over and over again. Last message, we talked about it. But we don't have to walk in it. We need to follow the light. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I read an article about the sea, uh, deep sea diver in Hawaii. He had become untethered or his safety line broke. And so he started drifting off into the ocean in Hawaii. And his partner, he had a partner. His partner was able to get back and call for help. Called for the Coast Guard. Bill, if you're watching, thank you for your service in the Coast Guard. Called the Coast Guard to search for his partner, his buddy, this diver. Hour after hour went by. The light went to darkness and it became dark. And where they thought he would be was nowhere to be found. In hour number four, in the dark of night, four miles away from the search zone, they saw a green laser light flashing out from the ocean. The helicopter circling saw the green light, was able to go send the team and find the diver. And it was all because of a green laser light four miles away from the site that they were looking in the dark of night. When they got to him, he was near death, saved his life. His light brought about his salvation. There's a light given to us for our salvation. His name is Jesus. He was born, and we wrap Christmas all around that birth. But in the birth of Jesus, it is the coming of salvation. Don't ever forget it. It is salvation that has come for you, for me, the light of the world. But that salvation is only going to come from a faith and trust in the light of the world. But salvation is there. Are we waiting and trusting in God? Are we moving on without him? Are we following the light? Or are we thinking the light's moving too slowly? And so we're going to go try our own way. Listen, whatever it is in your life right now, follow the light. Listen, I get it. We're in a broken world and things aren't always going to go exactly how you want it. Follow the light. Wait on the light. Let the light lead you. It will lead you to salvation. Trust the light. Jesus is the light of the world. As you're waiting and as 2020 has taught us anything, it's easier to bail. It's easier to go a different way. It's easier to try your own way because you think it's not working. Trust the light. Follow the light. Jesus is the light. Simeon tells us, hey, it's worth waiting on. And then that one day when you, you know, one day we're going to have a glorious encounter where we will be in the presence, a tangible, literal presence of the Son, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll shout out and praise too. We will glorify and, and we won't care what anyone else will think and we'll just praise the Lamb 
will praise our salvation. But you know what? May his kingdom come. May his kingdom be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we enjoy the presence of our Savior. May we seek the presence of our Savior. And may we praise him every step of the way too. Wait on him. Trust him. Actively wait. Be in tune with the Spirit as you wait. Let him lead you. Don't bail. Stay the course and follow the light. And then as you encounter him along the way, sing your songs of Christmas. Whether it's January, February, March, April, May, and on and on and on. Sing those songs of praise to him. Lord, we love you. We praise you for the light. Our world is dark, but oh, you are so bright. And as we are wrapped up in this Christmas season, what a great reminder that salvation has come. Not just for Jews, but for us Gentiles too. May we always put our faith and trust in you for our salvation and for our sanctification, for our growth in you, for our journey in this dark world. May we follow the light. May we eagerly wait on your presence, on your lordship. May we be in tune with the spirit and you lead us where you want us to go and may we be obedient every step of the way. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for light. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.